0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, December 29, 2020. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. While many Sitkins were nestled snug in their beds in the wee hours of Christmas morning, a Coast Guard helicopter crew was busy rescuing four boaters whose 15-foot vessel had capsized near the Yamini Islets, around 27 miles south of Sitka. According to a Coast Guard press release, watchstanders in Juneau received a call around 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve about an overdue vessel. A helicopter crew from Air Station Sitka and the Ketchikan-based cutter Bailey Barco both responded to look for the boaters. While the helicopter crew was searching, they received a distress call over VHF radio from near the entrance of Necker Bay. The caller confirmed that all of the boaters had made it ashore after their vessel capsized. The crew hoisted all four boaters a woman in her 50s, and her three children, two teenagers and one adult. The helicopter crew took them back to Sitka, where they were reported to be in stable condition. On-scene weather was air temperature of 35 degrees, 10-mile-per-hour winds, and 10-mile visibility. Alaska's beleaguered ferry fleet has weathered 2020 despite some rough seas. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick has the year in review on the highs and lows of the Alaska Marine Highway System.
1: Even before the pandemic, things were off to a rough start. Governor Dunleavy had vetoed extra money approved by lawmakers the year before, and that left the promise of long lulls between ships. Here's Cordova Mayor Clay Copeland urging lawmakers to fully fund the ferry system. We appreciate the Alaska Marine Highway System uh, trying to work with the resources they have to provide service, but frankly, it's not working. Service gaps ended up being even longer than envisioned by transportation planners. The Matanuska, the fleet's sole mainliner, broke down on January 26, exposing the weakness of having no slack in the system.
0: We tried for a very long time to try and see what we could do to... um, to keep at least one vessel in some sort of ready reserve status.
1: Shannon Adams heads the Master's Mates and Pilots Union, which represents crew members that drive and maintain the boats.
0: Um, And due to budgetary issues, we were told that anything that is currently tied up down in Ketchikan is tied up for a specific reason, and they don't have the budget to be able to keep anything in a ready reserve status.
1: That meant, aside from a daily shuttle between Ketchikan and Annette Island, the Alaska Marine Highway System remained paralyzed until March. The state did charter some private catamarans, but those were only available to move foot passengers. There were no vehicles or heavy freight. In June, lawmakers boosted the ferry system's appropriation to keep the vessels running year-round. Ketchikan Independent Representative Dan Ortez co-chaired the House Finance Committee. You know, I think we put
2: the marine highway system in the place where they should be able to provide adequate service throughout the system in this upcoming year um as long as the governor doesn't veto those monies
1: you're going to see the alaska marine highway system was uh the amount of money that the legislature put in which was considerable we vetoed it back but there's still more money in it this year than there was last year going into next year the governor also erased the extra funding for crew quarters for the alaska class ferries that would allow crews to work rotating shifts and increase their operational range it was around that time that the pandemic hit alaska hard Ridership declined, as did revenue from the fare box. The Dunleavy administration allocated $10 million in federal pandemic relief set aside for transportation, but the agency said that wouldn't make up the shortfall. In May, the Alaska ferries still didn't require passengers or crew to wear masks, but in June, an infected crew member on the Tustamina unwittingly exposed passengers that had disembarked in Alaska. So later that month, AMHS began requiring masks and a COVID-19 test for passengers. It also reduced capacity on ferries, leading to people being turned away from boarding. The year 2020 was also when the state dropped its four-year plan to leverage federal highway dollars for transportation projects. The federal aid can be used for capital projects, roads, bridges, and vessels, but not operations. Ferry fans pointed out that aside from about $17 they that can only be spent on marine vessels, the state wasn't asking for any additional federal funding or fixing or upgrading its aging fleet. DOT's program development director, Ben White, said there were other critical transportation projects. We have more needs in the state for infrastructure than we have available federal funding, so we're having to stretch the federal dollar further and further. But there isn't a a policy that's roads first. Through all this, a task force largely appointed by the governor worked through a controversial quarter-million-dollar ferry report. The Northern Economic Study had torpedoed the idea of privatization, and the AMHS workgroup, also reaffirmed the ferry system's value to the state. The nine-member group was headed by Tom Barrett, a retired Coast Guard Admiral and former Pipeline Services Executive. He said the outpouring of support for the ferry had been loud and clear. It's not ever gonna be able to be the fleet of blue canoes that existed, you know, 25 years ago. And uh, and even the, you know, the services provided and kind of the romance, the Alaska romance that goes with that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think as our goal, Um, I don't think I could listen to some of the people and say, yeah, well, let's just trash it. We've got some hard decisions, but that's not one of them. The group made some recommendations on ways to streamline operations and shrink the mismatched fleet. It also recommended giving the Marine Highway more autonomy away from operating as an arm of the state's transportation agency. It delivered its report this fall. The governor didn't mention the report again until December when he announced a still slimmer ferry budget. We really believe that there needs to be a discussion with the uh, Marine Highway Reshaping Committee, which I hope also takes place, and we'll be talking to the legislature about that, because that committee worked on looking at ways to, again, make the uh, ferry system sustainable for coastal Alaska. Coastal lawmakers fired back that the report had been delivered in October with a list of actionable items for the executive. To date, none have been addressed. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick.
0: A new federal act will set aside funds annually to support fledgling fishermen, pending approval from President Donald Trump. The Young Fishermen's Development Act passed through both houses of Congress this month with strong support from all three Alaska legislators. If enacted, the act would fund training and mentorship opportunities for commercial fishermen who are just entering the industry. Sabine Pooks in Kenai has the story.
2: It would be the first program of its kind for fishermen. The U.S. government already sponsors comparable professional development programs for young ranchers and farmers. Grants and program funding would come from Congress, but it would be up to local communities to decide how to use funding.
0: Now, local nonprofits or Native organizations can apply and propose projects that make sense for that year.
2: That's Marissa Wilson. She's the executive director of the Alaska Marine Conservation Council, one of the nonprofits that brought the idea for the act to Representative Don Young's desk five
0: years ago. Things are changing so much year to year that having this kind of bottom-up program focus, I think, is going to be a lot more effective than having some kind of program legislated, you know, at the federal level and then trickling down across the nation.
2: Wilson is a fisherman herself, based out of Homer. She started fishing with her dad when she was 14, but she says those who aren't born into fishing families can have a hard time getting started in the field. As a result, Alaska's fishermen are trending older. In 2016, the average age for a commercial fisherman in Alaska was over 50, a decade older than it was the previous generation. That is known as the greying of the fleet. Researchers from the University of Alaska studying the fishing industries in Bristol Bay and Kodiak found that young people were deterred by high economic and social barriers to entry, not lack of interest. Fisheries demand a complex skill set, says Linda Benkin, executive director of the Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association. They have to be able to run a boat and a business and keep up with technology and the industry has become more competitive over the years. This year, Cook Inlet fishermen, in particular, had to grapple with low returns on harvests and the prospect of closed fishing areas. Altogether, it can be daunting for those without experience or family ties. Over the last several years, young Alaska fishermen took trips to Washington, D.C. to talk to legislators about the act. They joined forces with peers across the country under the umbrella of the Fishing Communities Coalition, a national association of commercial fishing groups. Abby Turner Frankie of Soldatna fished with her family from the time she was eight years old. She's now a project coordinator for the North Pacific Fisheries Association in Homer. She went to DC to lobby twice. She says it was exciting that young fishermen were involved in pushing the act through. For them to participate. In that process, to meet with delegations and with staffers and to see this progress from being written and, and going through different iterations and also having to explain themselves and why it is beneficial, I think is an incredible learning opportunity in itself for young fishermen. The Act does not exactly specify what age is considered young, but does say that the term encompasses those who are either starting out or have worked on a commercial fishing vessel for no more than 10 cumulative years. Wilson says fishermen had originally proposed the act be funded by the Asset Forfeiture Fund, the fines collected from fishermen who violate regulations. The bills that passed in the House and Senate, however, show money coming from the regular congressional appropriations process each fiscal year.
0: It's great that we now have this mechanism that will be in place as soon as it's signed by the president, um, but it's going to be something that we'll need to continue advocating for funding for moving forward.
2: Funding will be allocated through Sea Grants, a partnership of the federal government and universities across the country. Eligible tribal groups, organizations, and institutions will be able to propose projects for funding. The Young Fishermen's Development Act is awaiting approval by the president. For KDLL, I'm Sabine Pooks.
0: I'm Brooke Schaefer and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for Tuesday, December 29, 2020. Today, windy rain. Near steady temperature in the upper 30s. Southeast winds 20 to 30 miles per hour with gusts to around 45 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Rain showers likely in the evening, then chance of rain showers late. Lows 33 to 39. Southeast winds 10 to 15 miles per hour in the evening, becoming light. You are tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka, Alaska.
1: This is Mark